Thank you. Okay. All right, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Maria Desmondi, and um, I am the publisher over at Cardinal Rule Press. And I actually, I just did an interview and I had this little bird with me. So Cardinal, like the bird, Rule Press. And we are dedicated to sharing children's literature and creating really, really good uh, quality children's literature that focuses on timely issues, realistic fiction. We want children to be able to see themselves in the books that we um, publish. And so we are very thankful to be hosting and sponsoring this panel today. We have some awesome authors who are going to be sharing their books that empower children today. So let's go ahead and start with introductions. Um, all right, let's see if I can have um, Sally, if you want to go ahead and go first, I'm going to ask all of my panelists to unmute and you can, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. You can just kind of go as the conversation flows. Okay. I guess me first. Ah, tell Hello, us where everybody. you're from. Yep. Go ahead and tell us your name, where you're from and the kinds of books <laughs> that you publish. I'm Sally J. Pla. Um, I'm here in San Diego, California, joining you today, and I am the author of uh, several books. My picture book is this one. It's called Benji, The Bad Day, and Me, and it's about, um, it's about two brothers that are very different um, in different ways. I come from a family that is very neurodivergent we call it and that means that everybody in my family our brains all work a little bit differently and sometimes that makes us struggle and sometimes that gives us gifts um, but my books all sort of talk about that when you get older i have um other books too i'm probably best known for this middle grade novel called the someday birds um, oh, thank you so much. And I have a new one coming out in July called uh, The Fire, the Water, and Maudie McGinn. Um, and it's about an autistic girl. So that's a little about me. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And the illustrations, the cover artwork on that last book that you showed looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my panelists, who is next? Sally was up first. Don't all speak. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Is it me? Should I go? Let's do it. Come on, Julia. Tell us who you are. Can you hear me okay, first of all? Or is okay, because I got booted off before. My name is Julia Finley Mosca, and I write um, picture book biographies about awesome women who uh, overcame some type of a challenge to invent or innovate something amazing for our world. This is one that I think we're gonna be speaking about today, um, Temple Grandin. She is an autistic innovator and pioneer in the farming industry. Um, and she believes mm -hmm. that her unique mind is really what made her able to do the things that she did and what makes her special. And I'm just gonna be um, completely honest right here and say that um, I myself have an autoimmune disorder and so does my eight-year-old daughter and that comes with some hidden challenges and today I had planned to get all calm and ready for this panel and as many parents out there know if you have a child 
um, that has any type of invisible challenges or visible or disabilities. Days don't always go like you want them to go. Um, today was field trip day for my daughter and that kind of all fell apart. I had to go and pick her up. So I've been running around. I just rushed back here for this panel. But I think a lot of parents out there can relate to sometimes, you know, things don't always go the way <laughs> we planned for them to go. So I am here now and excited and hopefully I can take a deep breath and have a wonderful conversation with you all. Well, Julia, I will take a deep breath with you and I'm sure other people here in this space will. And we, I just wanna acknowledge the fact that you are here and that we are appreciative. And I think you're right, not only parents and the individuals in the space, but kids can also really connect the, to the fact that things don't always go our way. So why don't y'all take a nice big healthy breath? Are you ready? And we Oh, thank you so much, Julia. All right, Christina, I see you're unmuted. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yeah. yourself? Sure. Uh, first, uh, thank you, Maria, for organizing this and all the other amazing authors. It's so exciting to get to see you hold up your books and listen. Um, they're some of my favorites. So, and to everybody watching, you know, thank you for tuning in. My name is Christina Dendy, and like everybody else, I'm a children's book author. Um, my next book coming out is Hide and Shh. Uh, with illustrator Natalia Takayama, and it comes out April 1st. And then my first book was Wall in the Wild, and that was with illustrator Katie Roos, and that came out in 2020 in the midst of COVID. So, and they both sort of approach uh, issues of diversity inclusion in different ways because those are topics important to me, both from just a personal level and in the sense of the students I've worked with and my my family members and friends, but also at a much larger societal level. Um, so let's see. Also, before that, I've I've like I said, I've taught and I work in educational publishing most of the rest of the time, working on um, mostly K through twelve social studies. So history, civics, geography, and those are all themes where um, we see diversity and inclusion coming in a lot. And so that was part of the source of where that became also important to me, so. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Christina. And uh, yeah, feel free to hold up your book and to share a little bit about your book. And um, who is next? Jen, have we heard from you? Oh, you know what? You're still muted. Okay. I know. I've got some stuff going on here. So I'm, hi, I'm Jen Bailey. And uh, usually I'm in uh, Kansas area, Kansas City area. But right now I'm visiting my mom in Rhode Island, which is where I grew up. And so we've just, we're just a little busy. So I'm so grateful that we all took a breath. <laughs> <laughs> we, if we have clanking and clattering, you know, so so I'm coming to you from this lovely place, which it's, you know, it's always interesting going home again. Um, my book, I, well, so my kind of journey with what the books we're going to talk about started with A Friend for Henry, uh, which came out in 2019, uh, which is about a, a boy who, who's on the spectrum, who's a neurodivergent. And I have had the great good pleasure of um, Chronicles seeing the need for such stories and we aged Henry up a grade and now he's in an early chapter book series. Oh, Yay. Awesome. So Henry, like always, <laughs> and uh, next year he'll be going on a field trip in Henry and the something new. And um, so these are probably the books that we'll be chatting about. Uh, some of my others though are um, 
Meowsterpiece is the art of being a cat and it's cats in famous artworks because, hey, why not, you know? <laughs> and then um, this will be coming out in 1010, the 12 hours of Christmas, which taking that, who knows, you know, 12 days of Christmas, who knows what a French hen is anymore? Or, you know, why are lords leaping? I don't know. So we went ahead with ours and we made it a family's day during Christmas time. So uh, looking forward to those, but um, just grateful to be able to share this space. Uh, and hey, happy Women's Day, right? And and um, just just really glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I thought of that when Julia had showed her book. I was like, oh yes, it's women's women's. It's Day. International Women's Day. Very cool. <laughs> All right, and I'm looking for our last panelist, but I don't see her on. Let me them on my screen. Let me see. DK Malone, where yep, are you? I'm here. There. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there you are. Awesome. Okay. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm CK Malone, uh, they, them. I am the author of A Costume for Charlie, illustrated by the wonderful Alejandra Brajas. Uh, amazing illustrations. Uh, I'm neurodiverse. I'm part of the LGBTQIA plus uh, community. Uh, I'm also hearing impaired, so I do have my hearing aids in. <laughs> um, I'm a teacher. And I'm very grateful to be with everyone today. And yeah, I'm excited to mostly, I'm excited to hear about everyone else's journeys because that's one of my favorite things. So, <laughs> so thank you for having me. And what do you teach? So, sorry, say again? What do you teach? Oh, um, ELA. So uh, right now I'm a literacy coach slash uh, English language development for ELD threes, and I'm at the middle school level. So, Ooh, oh, it takes a real, real special person to teach those middle schoolers. Thank you, thank you, fantastic. All right, well, I'm just thrilled to continue on with our panel. So, the first question for our panelists is: Tell us a little bit about the character or characters in your book where our theme today is really empowering children and focusing on inclusion and, and allowing others to feel like they are not alone, that they are part of something and that they, you know, standing out, diversity doesn't mean a negative thing. Being different can be something that is important and celebrated. So who would like to share about one of your characters? And feel free to put a picture up on the screen as well with your book. Go ahead, Jen. There we go, unmuted. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start if, if that's okay with everybody. Um, Henry is very near and dear to me because Henry is based off of one of my children. Uh, I have one child who has anxiety and depression, another one who is on the autism spectrum, another one who, who is uh, uh, probably, I would say neuro, neuronormal, but you know he was in the gifted class. It's, it, as you say, there's a, it's a spectrum. It's a, it's a wild world, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> so, but um, my kids all had differences in how they went about finding friends, which is how that first book, A Friend for Henry, uh, came about, was I wanted, you know, there are shy kids, there are introverted kids, there are children who just have a harder time. And um, I wanted them to see themselves. I wanted them to see that, you know, um, it's okay to not 
to not be a friend with everybody, always be kind, but you don't have to think everybody's going to be your bestie. That's okay. Um, I also wanted other children who might be, uh, who, who might be, uh, who might start connecting with a, a child on the spectrum, let's say, to realize there's a lot of thought, actually, there, it's not dissociation, it's not um, just just a, a random idea. It's there. There was always a lot going on inside. Uh, it, it, it a big thought process um, behind uh, my child when he would try to make friends. Um, and so sometimes, though, what that comes out is is a blurting of "I like hamburgers," which everybody's well, that's random. No, it wasn't. There was a huge thought process <laughs> that went in behind that. And so I was hoping that this book would um, would illuminate that a bit would encourage patience, uh, would encourage um, the introverted child to feel a bit more confident. Um, and as I said, it was it was very near and dear because that is my family. Yeah, and you know, Jen, have you heard of the saying that books can be windows and mirrors for children? Absolutely. And when you mentioned um, about the hamburger, I thought of that being a window where children can really start to understand that sometimes we're thinking in our brains and only part of that comes out. And so just, just allowing um, children reading the book to understand how some children may be and some children may be not be. So that's really great. One of my, the one of the greatest things that happened was I heard from a second grade teacher who said that they read the book in the class. And at the end of it, one of the children said, oh, that's so-and-so. <laughs> now I get it. And that the classroom had changed. The, the dynamic had changed, that there were more children interested in talking to this very quiet child and and reaching out and having some patience to let them be able to express themselves and share and to, to me that was that's it I just needed that that's great I, that's why we do what we do that's wonderful awesome thank you um ladies gentlemen we just have a couple more people coming in look at this um all of our friends my goodness okay we're in um would any of our other panelists like to talk about one of their characters. I can talk a little bit about Temple Grandin, who I think most people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, I think that she, Jen really hit on so many things that I would have said. So you, you described it all perfectly, but I think the main point of my book can kind of, kind of be found on the very last page. Um, I don't think you can see that, but it says, so here is the lesson, feeling odd or offbeat, being different might just be what makes you so neat. And that is what I wanted kids to take away from this. And I really, I never expected this book to resonate the way that it did. And I'm so happy that it did. And people ask me kind of what inspired me as I was going along. And the honest truth is that um, growing up, I had a sibling who was part of the LGBTQ um, community. And I watched that sibling be bullied and have a hard time in school and feel alone. And so I dedicated this book to every child who's ever felt alone. And I think that can cover so many children. Um, and I just really wrote it wanting to show that she, Temple Grandin felt alone so many times because she didn't fit into whatever mold people were trying to put her into. And when she finally realized she didn't need to do that, and it was the things that set her apart that were going to give her her strengths, 
that's when she really soared and took off. And, and thank goodness she had people in her life who helped her to do that because that, that also makes a difference. She had some special teachers who saw past some of the things that other people couldn't see past. She had her mother who was always advocating for her. And so um, that's really what I wanted parents and children to take away from this is, is uh, a different, not less is Temple's big um, quote. Ooh, I like that. Different, not less. And, you know, I want to take a moment. Thank you so much, Julia. I would like to take a moment to just acknowledge the teachers. We had over 100 teachers sign up for this, um, for their classroom. So that's why we are recording so that they can watch the replay. But just being able to make time to show this to your students um, so that all individuals boys, girls, other creatives in the classroom, however they identify, are able to witness and see how beautiful these characters are. Um, so thank you, teachers. This is a call, shout out to you for making the time and um, using our Zoom platform today to, you know, really um, spread empathy into your classrooms. All righty, who is next to share about their character? So we can go on to the next question if we're done talking about our characters. Well, I, I guess maybe I, I could go. Um, I just, I, you know, Benji the bad day in me comes from family dynamics, I guess. And I have this little picture always. Those are two of my three sons right there. And they were pretty much the inspiration. Um, it's about what happens when you have a family where one kid um, is autistic or, you know, in need of special services or special treatment, and the other kid um, doesn't need such treatment, and the difference that can make in terms of sibling rivalry and family dynamics. Um, so that was something I kind of wanted to get at because of my two boys. With one, we were going to the OT, we were going to all kinds of therapy, and my, you know, with one son and the other son had to sit in the waiting room and not bother anyone. <laughs> and it was hard. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a line in a scene in Benji, and that's what pretty much um, informs the story because Sammy is having a, a terrible, terrible day. But his little brother, Benji, who's autistic, has had a terrible day, too. And mom doesn't have the same understanding of them both um, and, and, and what that's like. Um, and poor Sammy thinks that nobody knows how horrible and how bad his day was and nobody cares. But in reality, somebody really does care. It, you know, his little brother does see it and in his very own way is able to sort of save the day because, you know, brothers and families and siblings can't, they can save us and they're who we rely on in those moments. And I really wanted to sort of uh, capture that, that little <laughs> moment of, of despair and then redemption. <laughs> Thank you, Sally. And you know, your book, um, it really makes a connection with Christina's book. Your book <laughs> is about two brothers. Christina's book is about two sisters and how um, the, I, the definition of play looks different to each of those sisters. Uh, Christina, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, I was going to jump in there. Um, so I had seen Sally had her hand up a few times, so I didn't want to cut her off on that third option there. But uh, so on in Hyde and Sh uh, Dinah is the main character, but really it's sort of a team effort with Dinah and her big sister, Chloe. And um, you've heard the phrase uh, that humans are social animals, and that doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. 
uh, we all have different degrees of social activity that we're comfortable with and we want to engage in. But what it does mean is that to greater or lesser degree, we all as people depend on other people to some degree to, um, to get by. And inclusion is really essential in that way to our development because it's how we learn. Uh, we learn from the other people around us and uh, not only directly from what they're doing, but also from things they make and share with us. Um, so Dinah wants to get in, get in the game with her big sister, Chloe, and she's hoping to play with her, but Chloe sort of takes off and wants to do something with her friends instead. So intentionally or not, she starts out by excluding Dinah, and, but Dinah's not having it. And Dinah sort of becomes a self-advocate and, and puts herself out there to play, but it's about how they both work around to accommodating each other's different um, interests and how they think they should play the game. And part of that is over the course of the story, sort of developing a little bit of empathy, developing a little bit of flexibility um, and taking turns, all those nice things that we, we tell kids that they should do to play nicely that seems like a really simple thing, but can be quite difficult even for grown-up kids, so. Wonderful, thank you. And CK, would you like to share about one of your characters? Or would you like me to move on to the next question? Because I can. I know, the ask to unmute feature. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to unmute. It, it's been a while since COVID for teaching for me and we used Google Classroom, so. Okay. Um, so uh, my character, uh, Charlie, is actually uh, me. <laughs> um, and how I wish it would have happened when I came out. Uh, being born with Turner syndrome, being intersex, it wasn't really it didn't really uh come about until puberty because that's the way that turner syndrome unfortunately works uh but i knew before that that i was i felt both boy and girl and i tried to show my friends and it just ended horribly <laughs> um but uh alejandra brajas made a a wonderful illustration of how i wish everything could have happened um but Charlie is Charlie is me. <laughs> oh, I and I didn't realize that that's beautiful. Yeah, and so it, <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> that I mean, that's that's basically <laughs> what it is. Um so when people read Charlie, that's that's me and Alejandra and I never we had never had contact. Uh we never talked about illustrations. I've I've never even met her. I would love to meet her someday because she's amazing. Uh <laughs> but she she got exactly what it was to be they them and and my editor Srita Lee did an amazing job too. Um but yeah, Charlie's Charlie is me and I I wish it had happened that way. It didn't, but now I can live in a, in a fairy tale picture book land and pretend like it is. <laughs> and now there are hundreds of individuals who have that book that you did not have at that age. And yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> and Alejandra actually just completed a book for Cardinal Rule Press. So we also Yeah, no, she's a, she's amazing. Yes. She's so good at her illustrations. I'm I'm anytime she can be hired, people hire her. <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. 
So what we want to know now, um, we I think a lot of you really touched on the inspiration for your books, but what I want to know now is what kind of uh, deep secret that can you share with individuals listening about your process in creating? So what do you do when you get writer's block? Or is there a special place that you like to write? Or is there a special pen or pencil that you write with? Tell us a little bit behind the scenes into your life as a writer, please. Oh, I have to, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, so I, I cannot write a picture book in multiple stages and there are amazing creatives that can. I have to sit and write the whole thing out in one sitting and I cannot get up out of the seat until I'm done. And that's, that is my process. And my critique group is always like, Oh, it's okay. How, how? Um, and it's hard because I will sit sometimes for hours when I'm not, you know, when I'm not teaching, uh, but I will do it on like a Saturday and give up whatever I have to give up. Uh, and I will sit until I am done with the picture book. And it may be terrible, but I have to sit and do it until I'm completely done. And, and that's my process. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> but that is my process. Hey, I appreciate you sharing that. Oh, I think Jen might have something to say to that. Okay, great. I can unmute now. I was going to say that that's, that's, that's horror. <laughs> I, I am the exact opposite. I start every book while I'm walking my dog. <laughs> I have to be up. I have to be moving. I rarely go to the computer screen because that blank shiny screen freaks me out. So I start on paper. I start with a pencil oftentimes, and I'm not an illustrator. Oftentimes I am sketching or simply doodling. But my picture books usually start on a walk with my beautiful French bulldog, Oliver Wendell Hutchinson. Same, I love and, that. And I call it, um, I call it priding actually, cause it's pre-writing. And I spool the story in my head and make it go off in different directions. And the parts that stay when I'm back from the walk are usually the parts that start the book or will stay in the book. Um, but yeah, I need to be moving. I need to be up and doing the thing. It's that or I wake up at two o'clock in the morning with the idea. Either way. The timing. The timing. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. I think we have the same process, Jen, because, well, mine's a little different, but people always like to hear that I write while I run. And I think it's being outside, maybe I'm able to clear my head. Um, I wrote my children's books in rhyme. So I think it might have to do with the rhythm. My, the, you know, I breathe in rhythm and um, it just, most of my writing comes to me. Then I come home and like what you said, what sticks are the great ideas. So I get those down in writing and then I kind of build around them. But the new ideas and the heart of the story usually comes to me when I'm out and moving and in nature, kind of meditating. I, I did read an article once that um, swimming is a form of meditation as well, the repetitive. Um, so I like mm -hmm. that you connected that meditative state to running yeah. as well. So whether you are active or not, the process is different for everyone. Sally, did you want to share a little bit about your process? Yeah, swimming, that definitely is it for me. But in the editing process, for you know, when I'll get an idea and I'll just mull it over my head for a long time. 
sit down and spill it out on paper or on my laptop. It doesn't matter. Um, but then I find that those like a long meditative walk with your dog, or for me, it is swimming. That's when like all the little strands, like your brain clears and then all the little strands of the what ifs of the story come in. So yeah, that can be really helpful. But everybody's different. It, you know, there's no right way to do it. These are just like all suggestions. And I think if you guys have story ideas in your head, you just do what feels right for you. Mm -hmm. I like that, Sally. And I think it's important for kids to really hear that. Um, I know when you're in school, it looks a certain way, but, um, you know, when you get home, it doesn't always have to look the same way. And I will say, I also get ideas when I'm swimming and I'm the person who has a towel and a pen and a notebook at the end of my lane. And I will stop and write an idea down as I'm swimming. And then that paper gets all wet. And <laughs> I've done that too. I'm with you. <laughs> there are waterproof notebooks. I have them because yes, swimming and a shower. Sometimes it's just a shower that I need, but there are waterproof notebooks. They are used primarily by like surveyors, but I found them. They are brilliant. And so my notebook comes in the shower with me. That's children. There are waterproof notebooks. I love that. I love that. Christina, anything to add about your process? And then boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, individuals, we are going to take question and answer. So if you do have any questions, we'll move into that next. So we'll end a few minutes. We said around 30 to 40 minutes. Um, yeah, my process kind of mirrors everybody else. Uh, walking and hiking, being outside um, is usually a, a, a really great way for ideas to sort of gel in my head. I call it brain soup. All of the different <laughs> parts kind of swim around and then glom onto each other. And um, the ones that feel, uh, that I have a real connection to that feel like they have to be written right away, then like CK, I have to sit down and I have to stay there until I get all of that out in some form. And then I'm sure like most other uh, authors here and elsewhere, I spend most of my time revising <laughs> and reworking things, which is where I think it was Sally who just mentioned what ifs. Um, I play a what if, what if game with my manuscripts a lot. Uh, what if I change this? What if I change that? And we're really fortunate because we have digital technology and <laughs> we can play what if without um, scrapping everything that we already have or losing it. You know, we can save it in another document. And as far as ideas go, because all of us are so busy and sometimes it's hard to make that time. One of the most important tools I have is just an idea. I have all the notebooks. I have notebooks everywhere, like scrap, pa scrap paper and stuff for jotting things down. But then I have a um, a file, an idea file that I go into and I stick stuff in there, little scraps of ideas, and then I can go through periodically and rearrange them, combine things, put things at the top, see what it was that was uh, tickling my interest not so long ago and try, try to flesh that out a little bit more. But that's a way to help keep some of the clutter out while I'm working on things so I don't feel like I'm ignoring something that I want to come back to mm -hmm. and not losing it. But that's wonderful. And uh, for our listeners, I've heard it over and over again that the editing process takes time. I'm hearing it from all of our authors on the panel here. It takes time. And for students who are in the classroom who say, I'm done, and your teacher says, not so fast, it's because you're not. And it does take time. It takes time. So why don't we go ahead and move into question and answers. And while we do that, um, you can go ahead. So those of you listening, you can ask Q&A in the chat. 
And I did have someone um, say that they saw their child in Henry and was so thankful when a friend for Henry came out. So that was from Jennifer Kim. So thank you, Jennifer. And as the questions start coming in, I would love for any of our um, panelists to share advice for aspiring writers out there. They have an idea. What is your advice to them to getting started? And what would you say to them? I'll, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> it seemed to be okay jumping first um, uh, because I'm also an editor, an acquiring editor for a, a little press called Little Fig. Um, so I would say just what you uh, said, Maria, you are, you've written the first draft. That's it. It's a first draft. You are not done. <laughs> Don't think that you're done, that there's not more to do. Um, so take your time with your story. Uh, do read, please read, read, read. Uh, there are so many beautiful books that have come out in after Dr. Seuss. Okay, so let's read them <laughs> and let's learn from them. And I want you to read them like a writer. So read them. And if you say, wow, that part was glorious and special. Why was it glorious and special? What was it? Was it the way the words felt in your mouth when you read it out loud? Was it the story? Was it the illustration? Something writers should know, oftentimes, like uh, like what CK said, we don't meet our illustrators. I'm finally going to meet Mika Song, and I am so excited. I'm going to meet her in April. But here we're on book three together, and we've never met. Um, so don't think you have to have it illustrated, but your job, author, is to inspire that illustrator. So the things that you're writing, the things that you're putting in your book should be the things that will inspire the illustrator. And the things an illustrator can do, like he wore a blue hat, if it's not that important to the story, you leave that out because that's their chance. You're writing half the book, the illustrator's writing the other half. And I would say that's true in picture books, not middle grade, I get it. <laughs> and in graphic novels, a different thing. But think about it that way. That's some of my best advice for people who are starting. Take it easy. Really think about your story. Inspire your illustrator. Thank you, Jen. Uh, we also had, oh, we're getting comments. So nice. Um, okay, here's a question, and then I will throw in some comments as well. Um, how much time should writers and new authors spend on social media presence, and which platform do you believe is most important? Um, I just want to write, write, revise, write, write. I can hear you, Maria. So that is from Maria listening. And I will tell you from a publisher standpoint, we do like to see that authors have connected with their readers online, but it is not a requirement for us. If if a manuscript comes across our, our desk or really our computer these days, um, and it's fantastic, it doesn't matter if that is a new writer and you know if, if they don't even know what Twitter is, we will still take them on. It's really the manuscript, but we do like to see that writers are connecting. So anyone out there wanna share maybe what platform you believe is, um, most important and why? I'll share that I'm not good at social media and I have barely any followers. So if anyone wants to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I do not post regularly. I post when I'm inspired. I try to, I would say my books have more of a following on social media than I do. I see tags of my books and I think people don't even really know who the author is. They just like the book. Um, so I would say it was not a barrier for me when I 
first got published. I do think it's important. And now I'm finding the Twitter community to be the best mm -hmm. for writers. Um, and I'm kind of new to Twitter. So I'm trying to get more involved there. I think just be genuine, be yourself, share what's important to you. Don't try. I did try briefly to go on and fabricate posts and like kind of like make a theme for myself. It didn't work out well because it wasn't authentic. And um, so just be your authentic self. Thank you. And we have a comment um, that um, individuals are very thankful for the panel. And um, thank you for representing children that typically do not see themselves in stories. They think that's very important. So thank you. Um, and are all books, the panelists on our um, talk today are all published by different publishers. So the only one, we sponsor the event at Cardinal Rule Press, but they're all from different publishers. Um, and the Edie is saying, um, I would like to know what publishers are looking for books about Down syndrome picture books. Um, I am not sure how you know how to tell you that but um if anyone on the panel knows that their editors and their companies are looking for those specific books i do have a resource for you if you can give me a minute um you could go on to manuscript wish list that's what yeah. i was gonna say <laughs> i just thought i'd fill it in for you, you. appreciate that so manuscript wish list i say that what what I, from my own experience and from my own editors it's they're looking for a very good story and if the character happens to be diverse in some way all the better so that's the other part of it it, it um if, if i may so when when i wrote the first henry book it was it was a little bit back and i was told oh no no you need to write this from the friend's point of view you need to write this from a sibling's point of view and it was like that's not what i want to do with this i want the i want this person to have their own point of view i don't want them to be explained by somebody i want them to show their life and experience uh so it's that i would call it, it's called casual diversity at least where where i picked up the phrasing so it's it's not the point of the book but it is part of the book and so I would say, so you, you, I would try it with any publisher you, you think of. That's fantastic. I um, think most publishers are looking to be more diverse in their representation. So, I mean, if you're looking at, like they said, the manuscript wish list, and sometimes if you are on social media, on Twitter, you can see agents and editors post about specific things that they want. If you follow them, if they're looking for something specific. And I think, uh, as far as specific publishers, Lee and Lowe, mm -hmm. I believe, looks specifically for titles that reflect different kinds of diversity. Um, and I believe there are a couple others out there. I mean, obviously, Cardinal Rule, Rule Press mm -hmm. um, goes for realistic and inclusive fiction. And I think Beaming Books does as well. I think Charles Bridge as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Albert Whitman. <laughs> so <Thank> everybody. <laughs> I think, exactly. I think they're all trying to expand their, their yeah. representation. Because it's yeah. what needs to be done. So everyone's yeah. on board for something really good, which is important. But um, I think it's a good point that it's um, part of the book and not the whole book is about something. Because what, what, the one thing I hear about this book that people and publishers like, um, it's not a book about autism or about her being autistic. That is just part of her story. That's just one of her, you know, it's part of her as a person, but the story is something else. And I think publishers are doing that a lot. Now they don't want a book that explains some kind of situation. They want it to just be a natural part of the story. 
yeah. which Jen said she heard the term casual diversity, and I had not mm -hmm. heard that before this panel. So everyone is learning. Um, I do have a question, and I believe everyone on our panel is traditionally published, but maybe someone has an experience with self-publishing. Um, someone wants to know, um, is it better to go through a publisher or self-publish? Does it matter? Um, if you're self-published, can you submit to, to publishers? So those are a lot of questions. If anyone wants to break it down and has any background knowledge there. I have a little, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's, it's, um, uh, if you if you have self-published a book, it's very rare that a publisher will want to pick that up. You've already put it out in the market. You've already done the work on that. They're not going to do anything more with it. You, usually, every take all of this with a grain of salt. Um, getting published is hard. Getting traditionally published is hard. Um, being self-published, uh, still, I would recommend get a, get it professionally edited. Find a, a, a an illustrator who's worth their salt, like CK's illustrator, like my, like all the illustrators we've we've discussed, um, to make the book look clean and crisp and 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 right. And then I would say have a marketing plan if you're going to try to go it alone, because simply putting it on Amazon isn't going to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's my that, two cents. That is great advice. And um, what you mentioned something in there. Um, um, if somebody else wants, I'll have to think of it. I'm I'm starting to blink out, but you mentioned something I wanted to comment on, but does anyone have anything else they'd like to add to that? It being hard, that's what I wanted to say. So Cardinal Rule Press, we just closed our submissions period and we had over a thousand submissions and we selected six manuscripts for 2024. Mm -hmm. um, but Christina's here, so it, it <laughs> can be done. It definitely can be done, um, but you know, depending on what the size of the press is, it may, um, you know, the numbers may look challenging like that, but we say go for it. We say go for it. Well, and this kind of relates to, to that. And it also sort of goes back to your advice for, for writers or really creatives of any sort. But, you know, the number one piece of advice is you, you can't be afraid to fail in the sense that failing is part of the process itself. And that's not just for writers, but artists, um, engineers, scientists, I mean, how many times do scientists have to do an experiment before they get the result they're looking for? Um, and if you look at most of the, the stories that we published in picture books, the, the, the fiction narratives, they all center around some sort of problem or conflict. And most of the time, especially if it's a good story, the character doesn't get it right on the first try either. Um, they have to try it again and again and again, and they have to keep going. Uh, you know, I, I tell students when I'm reading The Wall in the Wild to them that Anna doesn't just throw down her shovel and march off and swear she's never going to garden again because she's terrible at it. Um, and anybody who's around young people has probably heard them say, oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm horrible at this. And, and you aren't, you know, I saw a great line in another picture book, practice makes progress. Mm -hmm. um, not practice makes perfect, but it makes progress. Mm -hmm. And so whether you're writing or making something as a young person or you're trying to publish um, a picture book, you just, you have to keep working at it. The only way you don't succeed is if you stop. But, but you do have to be prepared for those disappointments and setbacks because they, they are there. And I'm pretty sure everybody on this panel has had, you know, that moment of disappointment and self-doubt and more than one moment, you know, and frustration. And you just have to keep working through it. Yeah, I think it was Stephen King. He said he's not the best writer, but he might be the most persistent. 
<laughs> and you just have to keep going. And it can be very hard sometimes because this is your baby. You're putting your heart out there and saying, look, isn't it beautiful and lovely? And, and you just have to find the person who says yes. That's it. Don't be the first one to say no to you. Don't do that. You're going to get enough no's. You have to find the yes. You don't be the first one to say no. And to wrap up our program today, I'm wondering, um, we had one last question. I'm wondering if someone could take a moment to um, briefly share their journey on the road to publishing because someone um, out there is querying and they said it can be very discouraging. Does anyone want to share their journey? CK, are you nodding your head? How did you find this? <laughs> How did you find <laughs> at Oh my gosh, it's like being in the classroom. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so <laughs> I hadn't planned to uh, write a children's picture book ever in my lifetime. Uh, but uh, I, I run GSAs, uh, Genders and Sexualities Alliances. Uh, and during COVID, because I'd always kept my personal life and work life separate. Uh, I uh, had never shared my identity uh, because it comes with a bunch of problems, uh, but I was outed and during COVID by someone uh, in my district, which was not fun. And so, <laughs> and so I was like, well, okay. And the kids were like, you should write a book about it. And you know, this happened during a GSA virtual and I was like, well, I can't write a whole book because uh, I just can't. And they're like, and um, Ragnow, and that's the name he goes by, uh, was like, well, what about a picture book? <laughs> Could you at least do that? And I was like, sure. And so, and so I wrote one and it was terrible. It was horrible. And it was, it went through multiple iterations and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> and finally it, ended up being passable and it ended up with Dan and uh, Dan took it on uh, which was wonderful and um, put it out to submission and Beaming Books picked it up and yeah and it happened uh, pr pretty quickly as far as uh, querying and then getting Dan and the publisher but that's not how it happens because uh that's just not how it happens. <laughs> Every story is different. Every story is yes. different. And yes. for those of you wondering, Dan is her, Dan is her, um, Dan is their um, agent, literary agent. agent. Yeah. And I'm not sure if uh, uh, the illustrator Alejandra also has an agent, but Dan um, represents CK. So your story was quick and that is beautiful. And that is not how it always happens, but sometimes Sometimes they definitely happen like that. So I appreciate you sharing that, CK. Well, let's go ahead and put our hands together and give a big round of applause for all of our authors today on the panel. Um, all of you tuning in to either the replay or the live version, you will get the replay sent out to you tomorrow. We will put an email with links to all of these amazing books and to the website <laughs> and to the Twitters. If you want to follow Julie on Twitter, um, we will put all of that in the email going out tomorrow. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank Have you so much. Thank You're you welcome. for sharing your day. Thank you, everyone.